Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 to 22, it says, So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. The last few years, people who have been friends and family for years suddenly become strangers. Families stopped talking to each other. Once friends uh, became bitter enemies, political views and uh, color of skin and other differences became the focus. Separation and alienation is no longer the exception, but it has become the rule. Dr. Martin Luther King in his speech in Stanford in 1967 called The Other America makes a reference to the struggle we still find ourselves in today. He says, one America is beautiful for situation. Millions of young people grow up in the sunlight of opportunity, but tragically and unfortunately, there is another America. This other America has a daily ugliness about it that constantly transforms the ebullience of hope into the fatigue of despair. It's hard to look at TV. Uh, it's hard to, to pay attention to any social media or any news outlet and not see this other America. But in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 through 22, Paul teaches us how to move from the other America into the body and image that God intends for us, the church, to look like. Last week, Pastor Jim began teaching the first uh, section of this passage, and we learned uh, about the division that this church at Ephesus had, illustrated by the dividing wall of hostility, which was a physical division, and it was a spiritual division. It divided uh, two groups of people, and it separated people from God. We learned that those who were once far off have been brought near through the work that Christ did on the cross we learn that we have peace with God and peace with others because the wall has been broken down. We learn that in Christ we have a new humanity. God has reconciled us all uh, into the body through the Christ, a humanity that exemplifies what it looks like to be at peace with God and at peace with others. And in verse 19, Paul begins by saying, so then, that's a loaded Loaded statement. So then, now what? What do we do now? What does that mean for us to be a part of this new humanity? When our text, Paul tells us that we are no longer strangers. We're fellow citizens who live together as members of the household of God. There, there are three so thens in this passage. So three, three now what's that I believe are the result of this wall being torn down. Are you interested? Yeah. I always want to make sure. First of all, because this wall has been torn down, one, we are no longer strangers separated by differences, but family joined together through deliverance. We are no longer strangers separated by differences, but family joined together through deliverance. 
Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19, it says, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. The phrase, so then, is a Greek phrase used when a writer is wanting to sum up his point with what is more than likely a deeper uh, a dive into the, re- the reasoning behind the rest of the message. He begins by recalling what he had previously reminded them of in verses 11 through 13. And this, this is a summary of the explanation of the readers, their state before Christ, and now their position after the work of Christ. He said, you're no longer strangers. You're no longer aliens, but fellow citizens. This is a reference to how far they were from God. Now, remember, in this text, there were only two kinds of people. You were either Jew or you were Gentile. And I'm guessing that most of us in this room would fit under the Gentile description. The word strangers can be translated as out of place, unusual. That word uh, alien speaks of one who has no home, who's, who's aimless, a wanderer, somebody who has, who has no connection. So understand, when he is saying you, you can place your name right there. Greg, you were aimless and without hope in a home. Mark, you were aimless without hope in a home. Jim, you were aimless and without hope and a home, which is the contrast of the next phrase which says, fellow citizen. Fellow citizen, which is one word uh, that has as its root the Greek word sim, meaning together. is where we get our English word symphony, a together sound. Paul says, we are no longer unusual and, and no longer out of place. We're no longer aimless and, and without a home. We are now simpolites. Together citizens. Citizens, which mean you belong. We're citizens that operate like a, like a well-played symphony. Different notes, different instruments, all being played to produce a harmonious work of art. No longer strangers and aliens, but now fellow, equal, joined in with all believers, no matter their nationality, no matter their social background, no matter their economic status, because that wall's been torn down. See, while the Jews were considered to be God's people in the past, now all those who believed are considered God's people. This would also make sense in light of the two groups um, being made into one, which Jim taught about last week. This, this would emphasize the unity by insisting that they are joined with all believers in the household of God. Baltz and Schneider in their exegetical dictionary of the New Testament say this, in contrast to the people of Israel, whose covenantal relationship with God was valid only for them and therefore erected a wall between themselves and foreign nations and abandoned foreigners to separation from God. Now, no one is excluded from the Christian community because of being a foreigner. In the church, there are only new people. I like that. In the church, there are only new people who together have right of domicile in God's house and are God's house guests. You see, whether your collar is blue or whether your collar is white, you are new people. Whether your political affiliation is elephant or if it's donkey, you are new people. Whether your skin color is pearl or it has an ebony hue, you are new people. 
joined together. Brothers and sisters in the blood of Christ, fellow citizens, not just citizens, fellow fellow citizens. Then he says fellow citizens with the saints. The NIV translates this as God's people. The the reference is to point out that the readers who would have been predominantly Gentiles are now in the household with those who have been delivered and destined to live with God. The, The idea is this, no matter who you are or where you come from, the only way you have access to God is because you have been delivered through the blood of Jesus and invited into the household, being accepted into the family of God. I remember when I walked into Selena, my wife's parents' house, knowing that before I left, I needed to ask her father a question. (laughs) I was going to ask if I could have his daughter's hand in marriage. And I I needed him to let me in the family. And and I'm telling you, I was shivering. I was, I was shaking, I was stuttering, I couldn't, I couldn't get the words out right, and I'm, and I'm afraid, but suddenly, you know, all of a sudden, I, I mustered up the courage, and, and I asked him into the next room, and I popped the question. And I waited. <laughs> and I waited. And I, and I waited. You see, he's a very contemplative man, so... And then finally, he said, yes. And after I asked him for a towel to wipe the sweat off of his floor that I had profusely made into a puddle, I went in and told Selena that I had been accepted into the family. I was no longer a stranger, but I am now a fellow citizen in the household of Alfred. You see, when the wall was broken down, when the peace with God and man was made through the cross, we were no longer having to shake. We no longer had to shiver. We no longer had to wonder. We we no longer had to be afraid. We put our faith in Jesus and we are in. We are accepted. We are fellow citizens with the saints, all the family members in the household of God. First, we learn that we are one, no longer strangers separated by differences, but family joined together through deliverance. Secondly, we no longer march to our own beat, but we dance to the same song. We no longer march to our own beat, but we dance to the same song. In verse 20, Paul says, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. Paul says we are built. The word uh, translated here is built in the Greek uh, implies a past action, having been built. This new building, uh, this new humanity has been built on the apostles and the prophets who were seen as laying the foundation. Now they're depicted as being the foundation themselves. That means that the base on which the church is built is the teaching of the apostles and the prophets. The prophets in the Old Testament uh, preached the word of God as they looked forward towards Christ. The apostles in the New Testament preached the word of God as they looked back to Christ. So it is the word of God that provides the solid foundation for the household of God to be built, the church. And Jesus is our cornerstone. The stone to which 
The foundation is aligned. The stone to which the, 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 the guarantee of being straight is there. The stone to which that we keep everything in order. And some argue for this being the, the capstone. So, so Jesus would be the finishing stone. But Jesus is not the piece that finishes the church because we are pieces of that building. The church is still growing. He's the cornerstone. And others are added to that building. And the alignment to the cornerstone ensures that the building continues to be straight and continues to be strong as it continues to grow. My son is in the band. He plays the saxophone. And at one of the concerts, the band director wanted to show the parents how important uh, each person is in the band. So he asked the members of the band in this piece of music, all the members just choose one note out of the whole song to play off. You get one wrong note in this whole piece, sporadically, just choose it in any note you want, but you only get one. And I'm not gonna tell you which one it is, and all of them chose one wrong note through that whole song, and the conductor raised his baton to start the music, And from the very first beat, the whole song was horrible. (laughs) I mean, it was it was horrible. It was it was chaotic. It, It it was hard to listen to. And it only took one person sporadically through the whole piece, through the whole song, just being one note off in one place. It was only when they followed the key in front of them to a T that the band sounded harmonious. It was only when they followed the standard, when they aligned with the standard that was set before them, that they played beautiful music. Jesus is our cornerstone. And we are aligned with him, our standard, so that the church presents herself as one harmonious song. But when we get out of alignment even just for a moment. The people who called themselves the church uh, stopped looking like uh, uh, and sounding like the body of Christ and, and begin to sound more like a confused crowd of people who are wondering. Maybe we get out of alignment during an election. Maybe we get out of alignment over who was wrong in a news story about a police and a civilian. Maybe we get out of alignment in our view or understanding of what worship is supposed to look like. It only takes a little movement out of alignment and we become a clanging gong, a sound hard to listen to, a life that's difficult to follow, an obstacle that gets in the way of somebody coming to know Jesus as their Savior. We must stop marching to our own beat and align with the cornerstone and dance to the same song, the same song of grace, the same song of mercy, the same song of peace, the same song of love. We must start dancing to the same song. What have we learned? We are no longer strangers separated by differences, but family joined together through deliverance. Secondly, we learned we no longer march to our own beat, but dance to the same song. Thirdly and finally, we no longer sit without hope, but we stand as a strong house. 
So Paul finishes his thought here in verses 21 and 22. And in verse 21 it says, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. Notice it says the whole building, the whole structure, not not all the buildings as some try to translate. This is the universal church that's being called to oneness. We, the body of Christ, is what Paul uh, wants to emphasize here. Listen in real close. The church is God's plan A, and there is no plan B. The church is God's plan A. Uh, The unity and peace we seek in our world does not come by any other means. Notice Paul says being joined together. Some translations say being fitted together. The idea again is that this building is still growing. The imagery here is changed from building to temple to emphasize that Paul is talking about the church. The dwelling place of God is what's being built here. Now, some try to interpret that the building is near completion in order for God to dwell in it. It must be near completion if God's in it. However, one commentary notes that the character of the building is derived from God while he inhabits it in its unfinished state. And we're still growing. Understand, this is not saying that each part is being made into a different part. This passage is not teaching Jews to become Gentiles and Gentiles to become Jews. The point is that the Jews in how God made them and the Gentiles in how God made them should bring how God made them, the culture that comes along with them, the backgrounds that were the incubators for their personality. It's now by the work of Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit, um, by being fitted together, joined, united with the cornerstone, adjusted for perfect alignment to Christ and the scriptures so the house of God is ready to lead this charge for oneness. In his book, Oneness Embraced, Tony Evans says, if we as the church are going to be the church that Jesus is building, we have no other choice but to embrace our call to oneness. Jesus did not place option B or option C on the table. He did not say that he will build a black church over here and a white church over there and a Hispanic church over here and a National Baptist church over there and a Southern Baptist church over there and a denominational church over there and a non-denominational church over there. Jesus did not give us that option. When we limit ourselves to those options, we have perverted his definition of his church. Tony says, rather, we are all individual stones coming together to form a larger, more complete whole upon which Christ, serving as the foundation and cornerstone, will build his church. That's a good place for amen. Amen. Paul goes on in verse 22, and he says, in him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. See, the previous verse was speaking of the universal church as a whole being fitted together. Now the imagery is brought closer to home with an individual focus. He says, you are being built. 
See, the writer wants the reader to see how they have come from an alienated state uh, uh, that was explained in verses 11 through 13 to being a dwelling place of God. They have changed from not being able um, to sit in the presence of those on the other side of the wall, uh, but now they are having, um, having that wall being torn down, broken down by Christ in the work on the cross, obliterating any separation, wiping away any man-made differences to have a continuous presence of the Father in them by the Spirit. The Spirit is said to be what makes this possible. Paul says we are being built into dwelling places of God by the Spirit. And once again, the Trinity is shown to have a part, uh, shown to be involved in this, this growing and this dwelling process. We, we saw this in verse 18 where it says, for through him, we, him being Jesus, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Paul is teaching us is that it is in Christ that we are becoming dwelling places. We are dwelling places of God the Father through the indwelling presence and the indwelling power of the Spirit. Understand, this, this oneness is a supernatural work. This is a oneness that cannot be orchestrated by legislation. This is a oneness that cannot be orchestrated by signed contracts and pinky swears. This is not a oneness that can be orchestrated by unity circles of singing Kumbaya by the fire. This is a oneness that only comes by the power of the Holy Spirit given to believers, the power to change hearts, the power to convict us to evaluate our own prejudice, the power to open our eyes and see others as more important than ourselves, the power to enable us to stand on the word and proclaim equality for everyone in every area of life, the power of the Holy Spirit uniting the church of God under the banner of the blood of Jesus Christ. That can't be manufactured. That's the miracle of the two becoming one, strangers to saints of the household of God. We have to admit, though, we have to admit the message of Martin Luther King is still true today. We somehow have created a society that has its most segregated hour, 11 a.m. on Sunday morning. What we have failed to see is how Christ uh, did not just die to rid us of our sins, but to bring all together as one. Until we've seen the work of Christ in light of the socio-political uh, effect it had, we have not seen it to be all it stands for. Jesus broke down the wall between the Jews and the Gentiles. And with the falling of the wall, the barrier between all nationalities was broken down. Our world today does not mirror the picture that God desires for it to look like. We as Christians, we should be on the forefront of this quest to be viewed in the way God intended, but unfortunately, we are not. But we must get this message as Paul is trying to teach us. We are all fellow citizens together being brought to God as one body. Paul says it like this in 1 Corinthians 12, verses 12 through 20. He puts it like this. The body is a unit. Though it is made up of many parts, and though all his parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. 
For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. In verse 14, he says, Now the body is not made up of one part, but of many. If the foot should say, Because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. And if the ear should say, Because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts. But what? One body. We all have to be reconciled to God. It is only through the blood of Christ that, that, that any of us can be associated with the Father. In, in 2019, we had an opportunity to go to Africa, and one of our destinations was Kenya. One night, uh, we, had to, uh, we had a chance to have dinner at one of the family's houses there, and while we were there, Pastor Jim pulled his guitar out and began to play Amazing Grace. But in that room, there were at least three different languages. So we all each sang the song in our language. But what didn't change was the melody on the guitar. And then at one point, we all sung in our different languages at the same time. But what didn't change was the melody of the guitar. And we could all tell what the other person was singing because we were all singing the same song because the melody of the guitar did not change. We were different, but aligned with the melody, we all sung the same song. You see, Jesus is the cornerstone. And the foundation is aligned to that cornerstone, whether they're apostles of the New Testament or prophets of the Old Testament, because the melody of Jesus, the cornerstone, is timeless. And at the foundation is being built a dwelling place for God, and, and some of those stones are African-American, and some of those stones are white, and some of those stones are Latino, and some of those stones are French, and some of those stones are Republican, and some of those stones are Democrat. But, but we, because we are all aligned with the melodic grace of the cornerstone of Jesus Christ, though we are different, we are one building, one temple, one dwelling place for God to continue to add to his house. Household. Though we are different, we're all saved by the same blood. Though we are different, we all have the same Holy Spirit. Though we are different, the nails mean the same to us. Though we are different, the crown of thorn means the same to us. Though we are different, the piercing in his side means the same to us. Though we are different, the empty grave means the same to us. Though we are different, the resurrected Savior means the same to us. Though we are different, we are united into one body, the kingdom of of God. And I know at times we don't look like our picture, but I'm here to tell you God is not finished. So we shouldn't be finished. So let's keep pressing, let's keep praying, let's keep moving as God continues the work of making us one. One church, no longer strangers. Just one church, and the church said amen. amen. 